All right, it's Friday here on the Lombardi Line. It's Vista and the Sports Betting Network. As we say hi, I'm Patrick Maher, live from the Vista studios here at the South Point. Michael Lombardi, of course, in Jersey. We say happy Friday. Michael, how are you? I'm good, Patrick. How are you doing on this happy Friday, huh? You ready for Mother's Day? You got your Mother's Day gift all prepared, everything ready to go? We sent we sent the tulips yesterday or two days ago. They should actually they already got there. Sunday is Mother's Day, but they got there, but it's okay. Uh, They'll bloom in time for Mother's God, Day. You know, you're like Bill Berman. You're ahead of schedule. You're well, amazing. Happy birthday. Where's awesome. how's Bill doing? He's a busy man. Nobody's yes, busier, trust I, I, me. I can imagine. <laughs> uh, how are you on this Friday? I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. You know, it's a, it's a good time of the year. I, I love reading the NFL headlines and, you know, how great everybody's draft was and, you know, and where we're headed and what's <laughs> going to happen. And I love when general managers start talking about the team. That's what I love the best because, really, all you're doing is hurting your coach and really putting a lot of undue pressure on them. So uh, I think that uh, it's always interesting. I think less is more in the off season. Well, there is no more hype than the train that is choo-chooing right through Chicago right now. <laughs> so let, let check this out. Let's throw it up, JJ, yeah. just to get us started here. So yesterday you were kind of floored that here at the South Point they had, excuse me, BetMGM had the Vikings and the Bears tied as second betting favorites in the NFC North at 3-1. to one. Why the low love right now for Chicago. I'll phrase it that way. And maybe not as much love for the Vikings right now. You see there really one twenty five Michael favorite question. for the Packers and then bears and Vikings it's, tied at three to one. You know, it's really a fascinating question because it, you know, Nagy who is really wants nothing to do just listening to him discuss things. And I wrote this, I think it'll be out on Monday on the daily uh, on the athletic, but he's talking about everybody will know when there's the right time for Justin Fields, which is complete, complete, total crap. Hmm. No, only one man can make the call. He has to make it. Right. Did you think that Tua was ready to take over for Fitzy? Fitzy started a game, beat the, beat the Jets. The next week he got benched, got p- replaced twice. And after the Ravens lost three games in a row, after Lamar Jackson threw all of 12 passes in his NFL career and ran the ball 28 times, John Harbaugh made him the starting quarterback. Did you think everybody knew that was the right thing to do? Did you? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, did you think that Justin Herbert, it was the right time for him to start only because poor Tyrod Taylor got his lung punctured by the doctor? I mean, no one knows. The rookie quarterbacks are going to make mistakes. If your team is not in position to compete for the title, then you should just play the rookie quarterback and grow with his grow have growing pains with them. I think that's what the Bears should do. I think if you're the 49ers and you have aspirations to perhaps compete for a Super Bowl, then you should let Trey Lance redshirt. I think that's what they should do. I think if you're the Jets and Jack, Zach Wilson sitting there, you let him let him start. Let Trevor Lawrence start. Mac Jones, watch. We'll see what you can do. If you can win the job, we'll give it to you, but you're going to have to earn it. I think every situation is different, but the one thing I do know for sure, not everybody will be in full agreement that you should make the change. Now, you and I both know the first time Andy Dalton throws one of his classic red zone interceptions. He's out. They're going to be be clamoring. What I mean is they're going to be clamoring for him to be gone. Oh, of course. Which then leads us back to why are the Bears ranked so highly? There's always a misconception in the marketplace. Did anybody watch the Bears play defense last year with Kyle Fuller at corner? They were not very good. You know, Akeem Hicks is getting up there in age. They're not as dominant. Mack hasn't been the same player for a while, right? Trathon's over 30. Robert Quinn was a very disappointing player for them last season in terms of replacing Leonard Floyd with him. 
Now they bring Desmond Trufant, who struggled mightily yes. in Detroit last yes, year, did. to go along with Artie Burns, who struggled mightily in his entire career. So I don't see this Bear defense as being something that you could hang your hat on. And then I don't see the Bears' offense with minus tackles. Elijah Wilkinson and Taven Jenkins. I mean, Taven Jenkins is a rookie. Do you really think he's going to start and be a dominant player, especially around what they have? They signed Demir Bird. We'll see what he can do. Anthony Miller is still there. They're not in love with him. You know, Allen Robinson is a franchise player. I don't see it. I, I don't see it, and I see it less when Dalton's under center. I'm dubious. I the way that you explain it, and you've done a great job with the Bears. I just I, I feel like a lot of it as well is gum and paper clips, like adding true font and the vet, and just kind of filling in the holes as opposed to what we felt like was building three years back. Right, and now you've got Nick Foles in between. So he, here's what I think you have to, fans don't understand about quarterbacking in the National Football League. When you are a rookie quarterback and you walk into the new facility that you are going to embark on your career, you are basically leaving a country that speaks English and entering a country that can only speak Italian because the language is completely different for the quarterback. So for Justin Fields, he spent most of his career looking to his left. And if he was probably on the road, he looked to his right because he was looking for the card, you know, the funny cards with John, John Bellucci over there and, you know, Austin Powers, you know, those four cards they had hold up in the air, right? And the signals coming from the coaches. That tells everybody in the offense what to do, right? So the right tackle tells everybody else. If it's to the right side, the left tackle tells everybody else. The receivers look. Everybody knows what to do. All the quarterback has to do is play and execute his job. When he gets to the NFL, he has to learn a bunch of verbiage. He's got to learn everything. He's got to learn concepts. He's got to learn protections. He's got to learn, and then he's got to get everybody aligned to that. That takes a lot of time. And then you've got to play fast once you learn it. You've got to play really fast. And I think it takes a lot of time. And, the, and if you don't get every single rep at training camp, if you don't get every rep, it's going to be really challenging for you. Whereas Trevor Lawrence, if you were preparing to learn a new language, Trevor Lawrence is going to spend 15 hours a day learning that language. Zach Wilson will spend 15 hours a day learning that new language. Justin Fields will spend three hours because he's got Nick Foles and Andy, Andy Dalton right. ahead of him. Right. How's he going to learn it? That's interesting. Let's throw up this slide there for Michael. The odds to be the Bears' one starting quarterback. So obviously Dalton's your favorite at minus 170, but a shorter price than maybe you suspect there with Fields at plus 160. If he's not there week one, what would be your best guess as far as fields under center? Well, I think once they go on any losing streak, I mean, it's going to be interesting what they do with Nick Foles. He's got a guaranteed contract this year. He's kind of in the way, right? Yeah. He's in the way. You know, Dalton's on a one-year deal. Dalton's disposable. I mean, you know, to me, if I were, if I were Ryan Pace and I was being really honest about my football team, I would say, let's just go with fields. Let's build a system yes. around fields. Let's go with fields. Look, I know we're not going to be great in September, but let's build something bigger. Let's grow with them. Let's hope our defense can keep us in some games. We'll get everybody enthusiastic about our team. Let's have hope for going into totally. the season. Let's start this. And I think it really gives Matt Nagy a mulligan. I think it gives yes. him a complete mulligan. Yes. Because if he shows any promise with, like, let's just say, that Justin Fields goes in and plays as good as Lamar Jackson played in the eight games he played when they went seven and one, losing it overtime to three points to the Chiefs. It's the only loss he had, right? 
This is his rookie season. And then that propelled him into the MVP season the next year. Like, where are the Bears going? Like, where are they going? They're not going to the Super Bowl. They went down to New Orleans last year and got smoked. They were 8-8 eight and eight and got smoked. They're not going anywhere. Why not get this thing going now? I, I love that you said that because – whether it's figurative or literal juice in the marketplace, that three to one is because of the fields juice that's being built here. I just looked up good morning football. One of the guys has a QB one with fields on the, on the t-shirt. Like there's, there's something building towards this. You might as well get it started now. And you just nailed it. It's so interesting how you put it as far as a mulligan with Nagy, because it builds in that it, not necessarily an excuse, but we're building towards something special as opposed to putting it on the back burner. If I were Nagy, I'd say, look, fellas, I'm going with Fields. I'm building an offense around Fields, and you're going to have to carry me out of Hallis Hall to fire me because I'm going to build this so good around this kid that nobody – and he and I are going to become one. We're going to become one, and we're going to grow, and the future is me, and the ticket is Fields-Nagy, Nagy Fields. (laughs) Right. You go with Andy Dalton and you lose four straight and you're, you know, and you're let's say you're at the the week 10 of the season and you're three and seven. You know, Nagy's out. You put fields in. Nobody's going to really have the same enthusiasm to rally. I think if I were Nagy, I got a mulligan. I might as well use Justin Fields. I don't have a first round pick next year. I'm your guy. I'll coach this guy better than anybody can. I'll, uh, and I, what you said about building the offense, it reminds me of what the Shanahan's were forced to do with RG3, where it worked out, you know, NFL Rookie of the Year and made the postseason after a terrible start, but they built an offense around RG3. This might be something even a little bit more comfortable for Nagy. No doubt. I mean, let's just do it. Let's start. Like, why should we – like, Andy Dalton can be the backup. Let's go with Fields. Let, let's build an offense around Fields with David Montgomery. We'll put Tariq Cohen somewhere in there, the jack-of-all-trades, and we'll get going. And we'll build it so that we understand what we're – it's not going to be perfect. We're going to make a lot of mistakes. But we're going to get this kid so many reps that come week one of the season, he'll be okay. Come week eight of the season, he's going to be much better. Okay, so the win total set for the Bears right now, right around seven and a half, juiced up to the over. So a lot of momentum right now in the NFC North for the Bears. Let's switch to a barring injury. Lawrence is going to be under center for the Jags, and Wilson will be under center for the Jets. I've got a quote for you from Robert Salah. There is a football coaching 101, and there is football coaching 301, and there is football 501 coaching. We have to be able to introduce our scheme. We have to be able to show them the techniques and fundamentals and understand understand the scope of football. I don't know what that means, but, and I also am asking you about the jets, what you expect from them offensively and defensively schematically. Well, what he's trying to say is, look, the players have to come in. We've got to teach them what we want them to do. And the first thing we have to teach them is what the scheme is all about. Then we have to teach them the fundamentals within the scheme. And this goes back to my line all the time that I say to people that football is a unique sport. It's not baseball. It's not basketball. You could play third base for the Mets during the day, get traded to the Yankees at 5 o'clock and play the nightcap in in Yankees on third base. Third base is third base in baseball. Don't matter. 
in football, if you start right tackle for the San Francisco 49ers and you get traded to another team, you may not be able to play right away. The language, the terminology, it's all different. The fundamentals that they teach are different vertical sets, you know, horizontal sets, you know, all those things become uniquely different to each team. So there's not that constant transition that you see. So that's where he's talking about teaching and developing the fundamentals and techniques within the scheme, how they want to play the defense, what techniques go to it. And then after that, teaching them situational football, which is the 501. And, you know, one thing about his scheme on defense, it's so simplistic. It's an, it's an overfront playing cover three match. Everybody knows it. It's not hard. What do you think he's going to try to do offensively? I think he's going to try to run Kyle's scheme. I mean, I don't think there's any – I don't think it's going to be a great mystery. I think they're going to run Kyle's scheme. I think he's going to take – you know, he's going to – that's what he knows. That's what, he's, that's what he's practiced against for most of his career. You know, Mike LaFleur has been there the whole time. You know, it'll help Zach Wilson. I mean, a lot of boots, a lot of nakeds, the outside zone. You know, will they have a running back? I mean, they drafted the running back Carter in the fourth round. Can they get a running back that can really run with them? They've got, uh, you know, Pernine last year who ran the football. So they still are a back short, you might think. But, you know, they can actually get going. they got an offensive line. They love to run the ball to the left. I mean, this was a team last year. Patrick, that really utilized Becton to the great ability. I mean, when they called run plays, it was always to the left. If they needed a yard, they're going left. Because you want to run behind George Fant? You want to run behind Greg Van Rotten? I don't think so. So you better run it left, and I think that's what they'll try to do. They'll be an outside zone team running the ball left. Look, they signed Corey Davis, give him a play. Denzel Mims got to come along. They're going to end up releasing Jamison Crowder because they drafted Elijah Moore, and we'll see where they go. I mean, they're still not very good up front. I mean, that's the problem. And defensively, they spent a lot of money on Carl Lawson. That gives them one outside rusher. Quinton Williams is hurt, so he's not going to play. Do they have enough defensive linemen within this scheme to really execute? They drafted one defensive lineman this year in the draft because it wasn't a great defensive line draft. And the key to the defense for Robert Salai is all about the defensive line. It's I mean, all about the defensive yeah. line. If you don't dominate there, he can't. everybody will attack the hell out of their secondary. So that simplistic scheme for Salah starts up front. And and that and, that, and that's the when the 49ers were so great before they traded away uh, the gentlemen to the Colts. Uh, Buckner, Buckner, obviously, was so dominant. Buckner, they had they had Armstead, they had Buckner, they had Bosa. I mean, you know, when you have four really good defensive linemen rushing, somebody's one on one. You can't double everybody. So somebody's going to win a matchup, and especially when you have two inside guys. When they put Armstead down in there along with Buckner, watch out. And they had the USC guard to the left side. They hit with Becton last year. Their win total set at six. They won two games last year. Michael, I'm going to throw up the AFC East. All of a sudden, a tough division. We'll throw up the AFC East betting odds here. And they're dead last, a fourth in the division at 20-1 to one to win it, the Jets. Um, the expectations for Wilson – and the Jets. If I told you six right now, your snap reaction would be what to the win total? You know, that's a great one. I'm going to go. I would think under. I, I don't yeah. know if they've really improved their team, and I don't think they're that talented on defense to be able to compensate. They're not going to compensate what they do. You know, offensively, they have some holes, especially on the right side of their offensive line. And Wilson's a young player. I, I worry Wilson 
you know, we we saw you and I remember Wilson going two years ago. Yes. And he's had trouble staying healthy for BYU. Yes. You know, I think it's going to take his body a little bit of time to get used to the NFL. I think it's going to take some time to do that. So I think you might see some James Morgan playing quarterback for the Jets this year. And if that's the case, you might want to think about the under. Totally agree. And most college players talk about the adjustment being so difficult from college to pro. We'll add an extra week 17. And also, Michael just mentioned his sophomore year at BYU with the injuries. He was banged up his freshman year as well, that being Wilson. Yeah. Uh, that's only going to get and, tougher. And look, the level, of, uh, the level of comp, two games against Buffalo Hart, two games against Miami will be tough. Two games against New England, I promise you'll be hard. That's six really hard games. It's not an easy out here. That not divi- an easy yeah, out at all. That division's gotten really tough really quickly. Howie Roseman wants Jalen Hurts to take the quarterback position and oh. run with it. Oh, boy. When we come back, it's a Coach Friday. Roseman. Coach Roseman, I love it. Get his whistle out, will you? No need for the points. We'll talk the Eagles. Just money line. Welcome you in. We are proudly presented by BetMGM. As Michael mentioned, a good reminder, Mother's Day coming up on Sunday. We'll be here on the Lombardi line. Let's talk Eagles. So the season win total, Michael, is set anywhere between six and a half and seven. I think this may surprise you. If we throw up the NFC East odds, they're actually your third betting favorite in division. The Cowboys are even. Washington's three to one. Seems like a pretty good price on a team that won the division. The Eagles are four and a quarter and the Giants are five to one. So the Eagles have better betting odds than the I'm a little surprised by that. Are you? I'm shocked by that. I mean, I really am. I mean, and I'm sure everybody at the Giants facility in in East Rutherford would be completely stunned by that. I mean, the Giants, if you talk to anybody, they think they're going to the Super Bowl. I mean, they literally <laughs> Thomas Gable's taking Super Bowl money on them. I, I mean, think about it. They're eight. They're the same odds as going to the Super Bowl. They're treating them as the worst team in the division. Yep. I don't disagree with the Vegas. I don't disagree with the bookmakers. I don't think. All these moves they made, I don't think they're very good offensively. I have no faith in Daniel Jones. I have left faith in Jason Garrett as the offensive play caller. I think Patrick Graham did a wonderful job coaching the defense. But for the Eagles, to me, you know, where is Jalen Hurts? You know, this is a young man that has really improved his game when he went to Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley. There's no denying that. When he was at George, when he was at Alabama, it was all just run first, take off, one look and go. No real sense of anticipation. I thought he improved on that last year. Can he continue? I think he looks at the rush way too much, Patrick. And I think you would have looked at the rush last year, too, based on the way that offensive line played in Philadelphia. So, you know, for me, they want to throw the ball in Philly. I mean, it's very clear. They want to throw the ball in Philadelphia. They want to be a passing game. They want to be a sophisticated offense. You've got a rookie head coach, Nick Sirianni. You've got a rookie, you've got a rookie defensive coordinator. And you've got, you know, and, and Shane Strickland, the kid, uh, Stricken, the, the, the Chargers offensive coordinator last year, you got him coming in there. What scheme are you going to run? Boy, there's a lot of questions. And I think that's really, and they play the seven, they play the nine row games. They play nine games on the road. So 
you know, they're one of those teams that I think when you go through this, I, I lean towards the under here, but I think they could be a 6-11 and 11 team. And you can find a 7 if you like the under, as Michael mentioned. I agree with you on the Giants where maybe not as bullish as they are inside the room, but for them to be the fourth betting favorite in division behind the Eagles, like you mentioned it, you've really been on Hertz and his improvement actually throwing. Listen, he was yanked for, for Tua, and I'm not, we're not going to say anything right. bad about him, uh, but he has improved. We'll give him credit for improving, but is he going to be ultimately what they need? That is the question. Look, the Giants, right, the right of their offensive line. I mean, where are they with Nate Solder? You know, he opted out because of his son. He wanted to make sure he didn't get COVID. He comes back. Andrew Thomas did not play well last year, the first-round no. pick out of Georgia. Are they going to put Solder at right tackle? He played right tackle early in his career for the Patriots. Right now, the right side of the Giants' line is not very good. But they have good skill. You know, they have good skill. They draft Tony. They've got Slayton. They still have Shepard. They signed Galladay. I mean, Barkley comes back. I mean, if I were setting the odds here, Patrick, as much as I'm not a huge fan of the New York football Giants, I still think they should be the better team than the Eagles. I, I mean, let's face it. They had the Eagles beat twice last year as bad as they were. If if they catch the – I forget who dropped it. I think it was Slayton drops the wheel route over there. They're going to win the game. They're going to walk away with the game. The Eagles had to make a rally to come back in that. So I'm a little surprised that they're not. I think the uh, over and under – you know, where they are in terms of the odds, I think they're a little slighted. I do. And, Michael, at least some continuity. There is seems to be a little buzz with uh, with Judge. The defensive coordinator, as you mentioned, did a great job. There has to be questions about Sirianni. I'm not going to kill the kid for the way he talks in public, but Sirianni hasn't done it. I don't know who the uh, – Gannon and Steichen, maybe you can help me with the defensive and offensive coordinators. New kids. Well – yeah, it's all organizational. I mean, just as Howie indicated, he'd like to see – I mean, Howie's as much a part of the coaching staff as anybody. The analytic department is as much a part of the coaching staff. You remember this. The Eagles are an organization that carries the head coach. The head coach doesn't carry the organization. And so they, they, propped up Doug, they propped up Doug Peterson and made him look like, oh, my God, Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl. I think they felt like they won the Super Bowl with Doug. Yeah. Doug didn't win it for them. Well, Howie, Howie in the room, you could tell there was, so, who was it, Donahue? I mean, that video is the funniest thing. I've, how do you not know? Why and how do you do that? post that? I mean, well, no, I think what happened was it was a live feed. Oh, but you got to know it. Like, okay. why, are we, why are we celebrating this? Why are we celebrating it? You know, why should we be celebrating it? It's ridiculous. There at least you know, has to be like, questions about the coaching staff as well. You have to. There, no there, it's a complete unknown. We just know it's an unknown. Complete unknown. And there's a lot of voices. And whenever there's too many voices, nothing's good's going to happen. It's a bad recipe. When we come back, we'll add a voice. Wes Reynolds here on the Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM on a Friday. the show today or any shows here at VSIN, you can catch up, follow the money, Lombardi line, all of them. Just go to vsin.com slash podcast. Also check out Gil Alexander's beating the book. Josh Applebaum's market insights. Get PGA tour betting advice with long shots. 
the Ron Flatter Racing Pod. It's all free. VSIN.com slash podcast. VSIN.com slash podcast. Michael Lombardi, of course, Wes Reynolds, VSIN host. Okay, quickly before we get to the games, we'll start with Wes. I appreciate the two of you when it comes to recommending television. Wes, have you started anything new? Are you binging anything? I actually did something that, that Michael mentioned a couple of weeks ago. I finally caught up on the documentary on HBO, the Tina Turner documentary, because Ooh. this year, actually in a couple of weeks, we're going to find out who's going to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And now they do with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they do the fan vote. And Tina Turner right now is leading the fan vote, and I think this documentary certainly has helped. She's already in the Rock and Roll Hall with Ike Turner, of course, as a duo, but now trying to go in as a solo artist. So I think this is probably going to help her cause. And then when the class gets announced in a couple weeks, I would expect Foo Fighters on the first ballot, Jay-Z on the first ballot. So I actually took Michael's recommendation. It was very good. And there was a Bee Gees doc a few months ago. I loved it. Loved it. I'm a sucker for these music. I am a sucker for these musical documentaries. I love these things. Can't get enough of them. Michael? Yeah, there's a singer-songwriter one on Amazon that's outstanding. It talks about David Crosby and all the guys from the Troubadour and that era. That was fabulous. And look, look, the fact that Tina's – the fact that Ike got in with Tina is really an injustice. I mean, it's a little bit like Sonny and Sher. Like, seriously, Sonny belongs in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, Sher carried him in there. Like, really, Ike – and I know Ike had a career. When you look at some of the stuff in the documentary, Ike was doing a lot of things before that. But there's no doubt that Tina made Ike. I don't think Ike made Tina. When I think of the lockdown, I'll think of the Laurel Canyon documentaries. Oh, I so watched good. them over, great too. over and over. Los Angeles Lakers, yeah. Portland Trailblazers, play play in implications. The back spasms last night for Davis looks like he is going to play West. I've got a number of Portland lane eight and a half. Yeah, when I was looking at this, guys, I was looking a little bit more at the total and if if Davis plays, I might not like it as much, but I still kind of like the under here. It's 221.5, basically market-wide. And you kind of saw when LeBron and AD weren't on the floor and AD might be going tonight, the defense really stayed true, and Frank Vogel did a great job with the defense because they just didn't have the offensive options with those two guys. And now you get Portland coming back home off that road trip this is actually a very big game here because these are six and seven respectively. So if Portland can get the win against the weakened Lakers bunch, they're going to be in the number six spot. And they're really not that far behind from Dallas for the five spot. I think they're only like a game back. So this is one of those that maybe it looks to me like, okay, we're going to shore up the defense here. And I know it's hard to take unders in the NBA when you see some of the scores we've been seeing lately. But this is one I might look to. I know Portland's not great defensively, but they know that there's a little bit at stake here to kind of stay out of that 7-10, to 10, whatever you want to call it, play-in format or the new format here for the NBA. So I would like the under here before I'd like anything. You know, Wes, I agree. Last time they played, it was 102-93 to 93, with both teams combining to shoot 18 for 84 from the three-point line. So, you know, we know the Lakers, and the Lakers have only scored about 93 and 94 points over the last two games. They have a hard time finding scores. Even if AD plays, I'm with you. There are certain games that I think you have to play the under in the NBA. I would play this one at least under 221 and a half. Okay. Next. Yeah, yeah, Go ahead, Will. Well, go ahead, Wes. No, I was just uh, concurring with Michael on his statement there. Okay, maybe the hottest team in basketball, Knicks, uh, against a team that's been their bugaboo, that being the Suns. Let's get to this one, Wes. What do you got? 
Yeah, and I, I kind of like the Knicks here. I want to get seven, though. It's six and a half in the market. Phoenix is coming back off that road trip, and Phoenix actually was the only team that could beat the Knicks in, in the Garden when the Knicks were going on that real hot streak, and Phoenix was on that long East Coast road trip. But now they come back home. There's a lot of pressure, too, on Phoenix because Phoenix and Utah right now are fighting for that number one spot in the West. And Phoenix and the whole gang out there, Monty Williams is the coach, they have made it very clear they want to get the number one seed in the Western Conference. It's more important to them than I think it is like the Clippers or a couple of these other teams. So I want to get seven here. It may pop a little bit later, but go with another under here. I think uh, the Knicks have clearly bought into Tom Thibodeau and being more of a defense-first team, even though their offense is picked up. Not so much the other night against the Denver Nuggets, where that was, I think, their like their second loss in 12 or 13 games. So I'm not going to cut them down too much on that performance. Denver's actually been playing some really nice ball, despite the fact that they're really shorthanded in the backcourt. So under here for me, I'm seeing 217.5 pretty much in the market. You know, I, I think when you look at Phoenix this year, after they've lost the game, they're 14-4 and four straight up against the spread. So, you know, I, I think it's a good play to take Phoenix. You know, the Knicks are, are really a good team. The Suns are, to me, coming off that huge loss, 32-point loss to Atlanta. I think you have to look at them to bounce back. Wes, I'm really interested to hear your take on the Stars and Lightning on the ice tonight. The Stars have been struggling a couple nights ago. I bet Lightning. They beat them 6-2. to two. Uh, but they turn around again and play tonight. It looks like, to me, Dallas is getting bet a little bit off the opener. Where are you on the, and there it is, the Lightning Lane, a buck fifty, coming back the other way with the Stars plus 130. Yeah, the highest I see, Patrick, in the market on the Stars, I see some 135 out there. And I'm going to go back to them one more time because their playoff hopes right now are kind of like that proverbial one foot in the grave, one foot on a banana peel here. But, They've got this game, and then they've got two games with the Blackhawks. This is basically the end of the line for the Stars. They have to win this game to have any chance. you got McElhaney in the net for the Tampa Bay Lightning instead of Vasilevsky, so that's at least a little bit of a downgrade, even though he's played better of late. And, and I also just think that Tampa Bay now, they kind of know that they can't get that one seed in the Central Division, that Carolina is going to claim that. They're five points up with three to play. So Tampa Bay, really what it comes down to for them to get home ice, they've got that dual set with their division rivals, the Florida Panthers. So if they take two or they take the most points, three out of four points, let's say, in that series, then they're going to get the number two spot. But I don't think that they can get the number one spot at this standpoint. I think Dallas maybe can rally. I know the body language wasn't good the other night against the Florida Panthers because it was kind of like, okay, reality is set in because they had the big COVID issues down in Dallas, so they've been behind the eight ball and kind of having to play catch-up all season. But I think they rally and stay alive at least for another day. So I thought 135 was a decent price on the start. He's Wes Reynolds at Wes Reynolds 1 on Twitter, VSIN host. Thank you, Wes. Have a great weekend. Thanks, you Wes. Got it, guys. Thank you. Okay, there he goes, Wes Reynolds. We come back. A little doubt, no doubt, here on the Lombardi line. You can follow Michael M. Lombardi NFL. You can find us at VSIN Live. Come on back.
players don't get style points for home runs, but you do as a better over at MGM. You bet a dollar to win a hundred. Yankees or Nats tonight hit a home run. If you use the bonus code VSIN100, you're going to win $100 paid for in free bets. Got to be located in Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-2707-117 for help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. In Tennessee, call or text Redline 800-889-9789. Michael Lombardi on a Friday. I'm Patrick Maher as we welcome you back. Mr. Baseball, let's actually touch on that game quickly just to set it up. Corbin Tyon, Nats and Yankees tonight in the Bronx, Michael. So a couple things here. One, the Nats, Soto pinch hit, I believe it was on Tuesday, against the Braves. So they're in an AL park. So even if he can't play the field, he will be able to DH. You see the Yankees laying a buck 75 tie on the suggestion with the XBIP is that he's been a little unlucky. He's got a five, two, four ERA, Michael, but closer to three, eight as far as the XBIP. So that suggests he's been unlucky as a pitcher last time out. Tie on did pitch well against the Tigers. Take that for what it is. It's the worst offense in a baseball. However, the Nats, they're scoring just three and a half runs a game. Uh, they're, they haven't been good. And frankly, Michael, this is a Corbin situation. I mean, he's not even usable at this point. Remember, he's over eight as far as ERA. Patrick Corbin, he, they brought him in 19. He was awesome. The lefty to offset the two righties and Scherzer and Strasburg. He has been horrible. Striking out nobody. Everybody's putting the ball in play against him. I like the over here. Me too. I love the over I wrote here. that down. I think I an eight and a half is way too light. I think I'd like the over, even if it got to nine. I mean, how can you count on these two pitchers to really play well? As you talked about Corbin and Talon, I mean, they're going to, you know, they, he'll strike out some guys, but it's like the, he, he'll get some guys to hit the ball out of the park, too. Yep. So I don't think there'll be many clean innings at all in this game. I, I like this to go over the eight and a half wow. if it was for me, Patrick. 100% agree with you. Can, and uh, yeah. can I share you? Can I share my big? Oh, you got a Mr. Baseball play? Of course. Uh, you know, I try sometimes, Patrick. I Mr. was up Baseball. early today. I try. Three o'clock in the morning. I love morning. the Mets. What's the Mets? What are the Mets? What are the Mets right. odds let's right throw, now? Let's throw seen. the Metsies up there. The Mets right now are sitting on my board. It may differ from yours. Arizona in town. Peterson on the bump who's pitched well for the Mets tonight. 127 I got. I got 130 here at the South Point. Coming back the other way, the D-backs plus 120. I love the Mets tonight, and what you just said is why I love the Mets. I think David Peterson might be one of the more might be might be one of the well-known starters of 100%. the Hundred percent, but he's very effective, and he's a lefty. He's six and two with a three point four four ERA, and he has a he's part of the deep Met rotation. And I think that this is a good spot to take him at an economic value. I like the Mets here a lot today. Yeah, I was disappointed in the Diamondbacks uh, with the start last yesterday against Miami. They're one and five straight up their last six uh, loss yesterday with Mad Bum on the bump. 100% agree with this Mets play, and you nailed it. I think Peterson is one of the more slept-on starters because he's not the name of DeGrom and others, but he has pitched very, very well. So there you see, I, didn't, I, I expected closer to $1.40. You're only laying a buck thirty. There's Mr. Baseball's play of the day with the Metsies tonight. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I got to get that uniform. You did. I had to yeah, wear that to work they, one day. You'd be looking like Ty Cobb over there in Ocean City. Yeah. Uh, Old school. Yeah, I would. Yeah, a fat tie cop, yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, okay. A little doubt or no doubt that J.J. has prepared. Yes. 
Trevor Lawrence will have more passing yards than Zach Wilson this season. I, I don't doubt that. I think so that's, that's true. no doubt. I think that tr- no doubt. I, I don't doubt that. No, I think Trevor Lawrence will be able to get himself acquainted to the pro game rather quickly. I think he'll make good decisions. And I do think that with Chenault, Chark, you know, Marvin Jones, they'll have some receivers. I think they should really make a run at Julio Jones. I think it'd be the perfect complement to a young team. I think oftentimes, especially in the analytical world that the Jacksonville Jaguars live in, you get a little bit too preoccupied. Well, we want to be a younger team. Sometimes you need older players to teach the young players how to play. I think Julio would be a great value for them. If they get Julio for a, a, a relatively – you know, their third typically was higher than most thirds. You could sell that. You know, take them off your hands. you got plenty of cap room. It would be a great move for them. So right now, just so to give you a benchmark, uh, Lawrence, his uh, passing prop as far as pass yards over at BetMGM, 4,199.5. That's a lot. <laughs> That's yeah. a lot. And then Wilson... A little under 3,900, which still feels a little steep, uh, but doubt or no doubt, no doubt, Lawrence. I don't, I don't have confidence that, and I don't mean to jinx the kid at all. I don't have confidence that Wilson's going to be able to stay 17 games. I just don't have that. And don't, totally. It, it's just an instinct on my part. It's just a, you know, this is what happens with rookies. Lawrence, on the other hand, I think his body is, he, he looked like, as a freshman at Clemson, he looked like a senior. I think he'll be ready to play. And I think he'll learn and grow how to play. But I don't think that I don't trust Wilson to be able to play 16, 17 games. I got to get that back in my head to get it straight. That is weird. Have you adjusted completely to like when we talk about the record projections, not not saying eight and eight. I mean, I got to look at my hands. I can't count correctly. You know, I'm, I'm not a smart guy. I got to, I got to kind of kick my feet up. You know, Brian Rogers says I'm hitting the desk too much. It's because I'm counting. I got to stop counting. <laughs> so you got wait. So what's happening? You're hitting the you're hitting the the desk over well, there. Well, when I hit the desk, on? yeah. The, when I hit the desk, the camera shakes. I, I mess up myself. I mean, you know. So it's my inability to count, quick think quickly. How do I get the 17 in a hurry? You know. That's just. You think called... anybody will go 15 and two? You think anybody will get the 15 wins? If it's anybody, Chiefs, it's Kansas. City. Yeah, I mean, you got to think Kansas City. Who's beaten Kansas City three times? I don't see it. I mean, the division's tough-ish. Better-ish. Yeah. I'm sure Gruden hired Gus Bradley because of the way the Chargers played against the, the, the Chiefs. The way he played against them in the, in the games, he always gave the Chiefs trouble. We'll see if that happens. I'm, I'm not buying that. This one's a good one. Matt, no okay. Doubt or no doubt? Mac Jones will start more games than Trey Lance this season. I doubt that. Okay. I think you have to understand the, 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 how the Patriots work. Unless Mac Jones proves on the practice fields distinctly that he's a better player, that not only is he a better player, that he's a better leader, that the team has rallied around him, then there's no way Bill's going to give – he doesn't give out jobs, not to the first-round pick, not to the fourth-round pick, to no one. To no one, you have to earn the job, and it doesn't. And he, when he says to the team at the first team meeting, it doesn't matter where you were picked; it matters how you play. That is as sincere a statement as ever they're going to hear. And you're going to have to play really well. And I'm not sure Cam is going to give up that job. It's easy to say Cam won't play well, but Cam has some weapons this year and unique weapons in the way Josh McDaniels runs the offense. I think Mac Jones becomes the starter next year, not this year. I think 
you know, with Garoppolo and Cam, Cam a little slept on as a teammate. I think Mac Jones and Trey Lance, respectively, find themselves in pretty good situations as far as A-type personality competitiveness. Like, being tucked behind Aaron Rodgers right now feels like it might be a dubious proposition, right? But with the other two, I feel like they're in pretty good spots. Garoppolo called Lance immediately. Yeah, I mean, Garoppolo knows what it was like. He walked in the same situation. Now, obviously, Garoppolo's not Brady, but he walked into it, and, and everybody embraced him and said, hey, look, endear yourself to your teammates and work your work your butt off and don't worry about what anybody else thinks. So that being said, I think that that's what Jimmy will do. And look, I, will Trey Lance play right away? I don't know how that could happen. I really don't unless Jimmy gets hurt. If Jimmy gets hurt, when there's been probability of two of the last three years, Jimmy has gotten hurt. So there's a good chance he might play. It's a Friday. You can say ass. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to be polite, Patrick. No, I know. Trying to be polite. I I would – it's weird – you, you're talking Wilson. The more I think about it, I, I just I'm, I might make a play on that under six, just because I just don't see if I set the total or over under on Wilson starts this year at fourteen. I'm going still going under. He's not going to get seventeen Me starts. Me too. I, I am too. And I think you got a whole new system of offense, new play callers, new head coach. There's a lot of new. There's a lot of new in yes. New York, and that new doesn't add up to being able to sort it all out right away. How is Robert Salai as a head coach? I mean, you know, I've talked to many people that interviewed him on the interview circle, and, and you know, he had the one offer from the Jets. That was it. He went to seven. He had seven teams. No one else offered, you know, and so but all it takes is one, and now he's got a chance to prove it. We'll see. I have my doubts. I have my doubts in terms of not that I don't think he can become a, head, a good head coach as the learning curve is going to take some time. I think that's, that's where I believe it will be for a lot of these young coaches. It's a challenge. Seriano's no more ready to be a head coach now than ever. It's going to take some time. No one is. No one is. But when you haven't been a coordinator or you've run a lot of different schemes, I mean, Belichick spent 12 years before he even got his first interview. You know, Walsh was 47 before he became a head coach. It seems like, yeah, that's, that's interesting because he was the huge name, Salah, in Biennemi, obviously. Biennemi doesn't get a head coaching position. The one that kind of went under the radar, who I think there's some generally pretty positive buzz, you can correct me, is Arthur Smith down in Atlanta. People like the way he calls yeah, an I offense. Yeah, I think there is. I think he does, and I think he coaches the quarterback really well, and I think he can control that. Now, how good Atlanta is on defense, I think that remains to be seen. You know, and I think that's what he will, you know, we have to challenge that and see where they are and can their defense really improve. But the one thing I do know, they finally got rid of, you know, they have a running back now on the team and Mike Davis that they can actually run the football effectively. They're not trying to get Todd Gurley in there. And, you know, Dean Peace has always been a really good defense coordinator. We'll see what he can bring to the table to kind of balance up their defense. Mike Davis, the continued, continued to be slept on Gamecock, who is a very solid running back. You were, you were loving now. him he last runs, year. He runs hard, you know. I mean, he's a runner. He runs hard. He does a good job. He's hard to tackle. I think he'll help. I mean, he's better than Todd Gurley. Todd he, Gurley oh, yeah. was great. Todd Gurley was great. There's no denying that. However, Todd Gurley was at the end. 100%. He was at the end when they gave him the extension early in Los Angeles. Yeah. So that's what the – and then the Braves got another iteration. We got another hour to go. Josh Atbaum's going to join as well here on the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. MGM. 